we're on a series on the spiritual gifts, concerning spiritual gifts. So uh, if you have your Bible with you, you can open it up to Romans 12. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning. I want to start, though, with a, a story from a movie that I, that I watched recently. Um, and I, I, I'd like to know how many have seen this movie. I'm just curious. Suicide Squad. I got some, you know, I got some teen, yeah, uh, you, don't, you don't really say you saw it? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I, it's always bad to give your criticism of things because some people really might love this movie. I don't think it's a, uh, a great movie. But sometimes even bad movies give good sermon illustrations. So let me just tell you the premise of this movie. The premise of the movie is this. The United States has been attacked by some mysterious, very powerful enemy. And they don't know what to do to try to fight against this enemy. So, they, so a, a, a U.S. intelligence officer comes up with an idea. And the idea is to go to, uh, to, the, to the jail where they have imprisoned these supervillains. They're villains that have done horrible things, but they have superpowers. So this is like a Marvel movie, okay? So they, so they assemble this team of people with these superpowers, but they're really bad people. And, then, and just so you're wondering how they deal with this, they, put, they implant a little chip in them, and they basically say, listen, if you decide to, to do whatever you want or you decide to do something wrong, we'll just, I've got an app right here on my phone. I just, I just hit that thing, and you're obliterated. So this is how they're going to hold them accountable, just in case you were wondering. Um, so they, they assemble this team, and they all, each of the, just like they do in all superheroes films, they have their their superpower, right? They've got their gift. And so they've got Deadshot. Will Smith is in the movie. He's just this person that never misses. Like one shot, no matter what the distance is, he always gets them. So he's got his gift. And then they've got, uh, the, I don't know what his name is, but he looks like a crocodile. I mean, he's got this disorder on his skin. And he literally looks like a crocodile. He's big, he's strong, and he can really kick butt when he needs to. So he, they got him. They've got, uh, they've got this one character called El Diablo. And El Diablo uh, has, a, has a superpower. And he can generate fire anywhere at any point. So if you need your cigarette lit, he can just kind of flick a little flame out of his pinky. But he also can just incinerate entire cities with his ability to make fire. So that's, a, that's pretty useful when you're trying to, you know, defeat an enemy. But he is the one, per, one person that because of all the bad he's done, he refuses to use this power, even though now he's doing something good with it. He won't use it. But now, now you're waiting, you're watching the movie, and you're realizing that it's just a matter of time, right, because for him to use his gift. And so it's a great setup for him. But you realize, as I was watching the movie, there's no way he's going to go through the whole movie and not use his superpower. 
It's coming, right? He's got to do that. Because if you won't use your superpower as a superhero, then your character becomes obsolete. If you're a superhero that doesn't use your superpower, your character eventually becomes obsolete. Why put him in the script? Paul is saying something similar to the Romans when he wrote this letter. Inspired by God, God's Word, and so God addressing us as well. And what Paul is saying is very similar to what I just said about the Suicide Squad. If you won't use the gifts that God has given you, then you ultimately become useless. If you won't use the gift or gifts that God has given you, then you can't possibly function in the body, on the team, playing the part that he's called you to play. Your character, in some ways, becomes obsolete. Let's look at what Paul wrote in Romans 12. We're going to focus on verses 6 through 8, but, but I want to read from verse 3 because I think it connects well and will help you to understand what's going on. You're going to see, we've been preaching in uh, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, and Paul wrote that letter to the church in Corinth, He wrote this letter to the church in Rome, and you're going to see some real parallels to things that he told the Corinthians. Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to. Think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body... We have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Concerning spiritual gifts, what should we do? Paul would say, somebody said it, use them. This is Paul's main point. We should get after it with our gifts. How do you do that? How do you do that? Two things we're going to focus on. We should pour energy and effort into using the gifts that God has given us. We should pour energy and effort into using the gifts that God has given us. 
And then secondly, and it's almost like this is the same coin, but flipping the other side, because there's a, there's a distinction that I think Paul is pointing out here in Romans 12, that, that, I'll, that I'll, I'll phrase this way. We should take responsibility to exercise the gifts that God has given us. It's, 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 it sounds like it might even be the same thing, but there's a subtle nuance here. The first is focusing your energies and your efforts and your concentration on using the gifts that God has given you. It's, it's very motivating. He's speaking about this privilege that you have been given. Are you utilizing it? The second, though, is, is more of a sobering recognition that God is expecting you to use the gifts that he's given you. That, you'll, that there's an accountability that comes with the gift. So let's focus on the first one. We should pour our energy and our effort into using the gifts that God has given us. I want to make a, I want to say this again. I've been saying it every week probably, but I want to say it again. When we look at verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he begins to list some gifts. So let's just, let's just look at them. We'll, we'll, we'll count for a minute. If prophecy, that's one. If service, that's two. Teaching, that's three. Exhorting, that's four. Contributing or giving, that's five. Leadership, that's six. Acts of mercy, that's seven. Seven gifts listed here in Romans 12. I want to ask you a question. Do you think that those are the only seven gifts that are functioning in the Roman church? No. Good. There's more gifts than that. What is he doing? Why doesn't he list them all? Well, what if he tried to? How could he do that? The gifts that are listed, it's not an exhaustive list. Even if you take all the lists that you find in the Bible, it's not exhaustive. God is way more creative. But what Paul is saying plays out. The truth that he's articulating here functions for every single gift. Whatever the gift is that he's given you, you should pour your energy into using that gift. You should be making effort to to concentrate on the gift that he is giving you so that you are seeking to be the person that he's made you to be and stop trying to be someone that he hasn't made you to be. Okay? So so in saying that, I want us to see this as well. It's not as if when he speaks about someone having the gift of mercy that we're all not called to mercy. It's not like he's saying if someone has the gift of evangelism that we're all not called to evangelism. What he's saying, though, is that, he, that God, when, when he made you and when he saved you, he apportioned this gift, a grace gift to you, grace gifts to you, and he wants you to pour your energy and your focus into using that gift or those gifts and not spend a lot of time trying to be gifted or... Uh, trying to be gifted in a way that he hasn't gifted you. Does that make sense? It, it's it's kind of like time is short. God is saying, make a wise investment. Focus your energies on what you're really good at. 
so that you can serve the body very effectively. Does that mean we shouldn't try to get better at things that we're not as good at? Somebody's willing to risk out an answer. Just think about this. Does that mean you shouldn't try to strengthen areas where you're weak? No. He's not saying that. What he's saying, though, is don't spend as much time trying to strengthen yourself in areas that you're weak as you do pouring your energy into doing the things that God has made you to do. Are we doing that, church? Are we pouring our energy and our effort into using the gifts that God has given us? Are you doing that? Well, let's back up. Do you know what your gifts are? That's the question you should be asking. Look down through the list. I had a really interesting conversation with my friend Jeff after this, after this first service. And he was saying something that I think is really true about gifts. He was saying that, he was really asking a question like, what is my spiritual gift? And this is a gifted guy. I mean, he's a really gifted guy, but he was just saying, I, you know, I've been really thinking about that. I go home and I've just been praying and asking God. And so his wife was saying, you're really gifted in this area. And he said, I am? I don't think I am at all. And as he was sharing with me what she was saying to him, I was saying, yes, he really is gifted in this area. But sometimes this happens to us, and I think it's a good thing to say. Sometimes the thing that you're really, really, really good at you don't even notice it. You're just like, you, it comes easily to you. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm doing any. I don't feel like I'm concentrating on this. You know what? You're just being who God has made you to be. So we should pour our focus. So what he has to ask himself is this question. Am I, God has made me a certain way, and he's blessing me in different areas of my life, but am I doing all I can with that gift to build up the body of Christ? That's an important question. What is the, what is the, what's the overlap between kind of what we'll call our natural gifts and spiritual gifts? I don't know. I don't know. There's got to be some though, right? God has made you a certain way. You've got a certain personality and he's gifted you. And all that's functioning together. So I don't think we should get tripped up on these things. But I think we should take a list like verses 6 through 8 and sit over lunch and just walk through them and say, what do you guys, you know, do you think I have one of these gifts? Am I using, am I, am I pouring energy and effort into being who God has made me to be? That's the question you should be asking yourself. We should maximize the gift God has given to us. I remember I was in a conversation with someone and we were talking about some of our weaknesses and some of our strengths. And we were talking about getting some more education. And, and some people were saying to me, I was saying that I actually would like to go get more education in where I'm really good. And I had a bunch of people saying, don't do that. You're already good at that. You should go get education and spend money in areas where you're not good. 
And I had a friend that was listening in on that conversation, and he just said, I, I, I don't think you should spend a lot of money trying to get good at something that you're not really good at. I think you should spend money and try to get better at the things you're really good at. And I think that's right in line. I think that's right in line with what Paul is saying. You should focus your energies and pour energy and effort into the ways that he has gifted you because that's going to help the body and bring more fame to Jesus than if we spend our time trying to be who God hasn't made us to be. I think there are a lot of people in the church that are trying to live up to some expectations that you have. Some of them are self-imposed. Some of them have been imposed by others. That you, that you were supposed to be this. And so you've tried to be this, but you realize, I just, it's not working for me. Go to God. What have you made me to be, Lord? What have you given to me? What gift have you given to me? And how can I, by your Spirit, pour energy and focus and concentration into that so that I might be the person that you've called me to be? We should give ourselves completely and joyfully to the work God has given us to do. When I was growing up, I'm going to give you guys a little lesson because I doubt there's many people that uh, have ever gone coon hunting in their life. Anybody gone coon hunting? Okay, we got a couple. There we go. Um, my dad raised dogs for coon hunting. Have you ever read the book Where the Red Fern Grows? It's a children's novel. You should read it. It's a great book. It'll tell you all about coon hunting. But my dad raised dogs for coon hunting. And dogs, hunting dogs are very difficult to train. You have to put a lot of time into it. And coon hunting dogs, hound dogs, coon dogs, are especially hard because you hunt at night. So you turn dogs loose into the woods and you can't see them. And so you've got to train them. to, uh, And they want to do some of this naturally because it's the way God has made them. But they, they need training. And so he would train these dogs, put hours and hours into training these dogs. And I remember as, we were, as he was training them, what you would do is you, what you're trying to have happen is that the dogs get turned loose and they have strong noses and strong sense of smell. They pick up the scent of a raccoon and then they begin to trail it. And they get closer and closer. They get hot on the trail of the raccoon. They keep chasing it. The raccoon is pressured. And when he gets really, really pressured, he does what God has made raccoons to do. Climbs a tree. And then what you do as a hunter is you get to the tree. The dogs are all standing there barking up the tree. You shine your light up into the tree and you shoot the raccoon. That's, that's coon hunting. All right? So my dad was... It was really fun. It was really fun. Um, my dad was training these dogs, and we had this one dog, like they're young puppies, that would just run out, go crazy. It would just like run and chase, uh, to get on the trail of the raccoon, and then it would get to the tree and start barking wildly. And we started noticing something. Like We were watching him and thinking, wow, this is going to be one of the best dogs we've ever had in our life. But we noticed something. That every time we got to the tree that he was barking on, there was never a raccoon in it. But the other dogs would all be barking at another tree, and there was always a raccoon in that tree. And he consistently did this over and over and over and over again. 
He literally was constantly barking up the wrong tree. And, and no matter how he looked, you know, you could impress people with him. Look at him. Look at him. He's going crazy. He's barking up. But he was always, we knew better. He's barking up the wrong tree. We pawned him off onto somebody. And they got a dog that could bark up the wrong tree. What's my point? My point is this, that too many of us in the church and in the body of Christ spend too much time barking, a lot of activity, and we're barking up the wrong tree. And what God wants you to do is to start barking up the right tree. How do you do that? You focus, you pour focus and energy and effort into doing and using the gifts that God has given to you. Amen? We should ask people. We should take notice of where it seems that God has gifted us. What kinds of things do people compliment you for? That can be an indicator of how God has gifted you. I remember when I first uh, became a school teacher. I didn't know if I was going to be a good one. In fact, my first year, I don't think I was a very good one. But, but as I was teaching, one of the things I began to notice is people were making comments about me as a teacher. And I would notice that when I went in to the classroom to teach sixth graders who are hard to motivate sometimes. If you're a middle school teacher, you're weird. That's just like, that's just known in the teaching world. But I would notice that they were really interested in the things that I had to say. I would notice that their eyes would light up as I would begin to teach things. And I started getting emails from parents thanking me for teaching their kids. And the principal came up to me at the end of my second year and said, I've gotten so many emails from the parents of the fifth graders that are all requesting that you would be their teacher. Now, I don't say that to brag. I'm saying that God had gifted me, and it started to come out. God's gifted you, and it's coming out. So ask the people that are sitting with you, that know you, am I pouring my energy and my focus and my effort into using the gifts that God has given me? How can I do better with that? How can I focus my energies and not waste time on things that I'm not good at? All right, let's take a look at the second thing. Second, we should take responsibility and exercising the gifts that God has given us. How are we going to get after it with our gifts? We're going to pour our energy and effort, and we're going to take responsibility. Paul makes a subtle change here. So he says, verse 6, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, if service, if teaching, But then, when you get to the end of verse 7 and verse 8, he kind of changes. He changes his tactic a little bit. He says, the one who teaches, the one who exhorts, the one who contributes, the one who leads, the one who does acts of mercy. And it becomes, 
it functions more as an exhortation. It's not just this recognition that, hey, there's a lot of gifts out there. You should use the gift that you've been given. So all, all kinds of gifts represented in the body. Use the one. Pour your energy. Concentrate on what you've been given. But then he, he begins to talk in terms of accountability. The one who was given this, they got to they gotta serve in this way. The one, I'll just read it. The one who teaches and is teaching. The one who exhorts and is exhortation. The one who contributes and generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We should take responsibility for the gifts that God has given us. We should take responsibility to use them in a way that serves Him and serves others. The sense here is that God will hold us accountable for what He's given to us. We see this in some of the parables that Jesus would tell. That, that God gives talents and then expects there to be a, a return on his investment. So the question we're asking here is, is God getting a good return on the investment he's made into me? Is God, is God realizing a return on the gift that he's given to you? Are you exercising faithfully the gifts that he's given to you? It's interesting, too, that when he, when he moves to begin to talk about these gifts, he describes the attitude with which you should do it. Do you see that? He says, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes should contribute generously. The one who leads should do it with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy should do it cheerfully. It must mean that there's a, there's a possibility exists that you could use or, or be trying to exercise the gifts that God has given you, but do it with the wrong attitude. So if you've been given the gift of giving, you should take responsibility to be generous. But that can be tempted. You can be tempted with that at times. Have you ever, have you ever, been, have you ever been doing something that you knew the Lord was calling you to do, but you got a bad attitude in the middle of it? Like, why am I the only one around here that seems to care about this? I'm over here by myself trying to get this done, and nobody seems to care or notice. You can, if, so, if you've been given the gift of generosity, you can get actually angry at people who don't show even a little bit, littlest bit of generosity. You can get kind of a crappy attitude, stingy attitude. Why am I always the one? And, and Paul is saying, you should use your gift of giving. And you should do it generously. So what should you do when you start to feel like, you start to feel like, man, I have been given the gift of giving, and you can ask this about any gift, but I'm starting to run out. I need some replenishment. I feel like I've been given, given, given. 
I've been exercising, giving, 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 but I don't feel like I have any more to give. Where do you get more? If you give generously because you're conscious of how sacrificially generous Jesus has been to you, your gift of giving will be replenished. And it's true for any of the gifts. If you lead with humility because you're conscious of how much humility Jesus showed and demonstrated in saving you, your gift of leadership will be replenished. If you do a gift with the wrong attitude, it doesn't bring the glory to Jesus. I was... um, I remember once I wanted to, I was trying to come up with some ideas for Christmas gifts for friends, and I had a, I had a boss at the time that I wanted to give a, a gift to, but, but he was one of these people that, I don't know, he, it was just hard to buy a gift for. You know those kind of people, like they have everything, you're just not sure what to get them. So in this case, I had a really good idea. My mom makes the best Christmas cookies I've ever eaten. She's just really good at making Christmas cookies. And so I thought that would be a great gift. This guy loves food. He'd really appreciate it. And she made the cookies like in the most unhealthy way you could make them, like filled with shortening, filled with sugar. They were the good ones. So I went out and bought all the ingredients so that she could make these cookies for this boss of mine. The problem was she didn't want to make them. So I had this great idea, and I asked her, would you do it? Oh, yeah, I'll do it, all right. As long as you go get all the stuff. So I I got all the ingredients, and then she decided that she didn't want to do it. And I said, Mom, I got all the ingredients here. You know, like you said you would do it. And so so one, you might think, well, why don't you just make the cookies, Kenny? You got all the ingredients. No, there was something about, like, me making the cookies would not be, like, the best Christmas present. There's something about my mom when she makes the cookies, like there's like, I don't know, she used the same ingredients and she makes them and they're like incredible and I make them and they're inedible. <laughs> she got this gift. So I, so I put some pressure on her. Mom, you said you would do it. I got all the stuff. Let's go. You got to get this done. I got to give it to him. And so she started to do it. But she did it. I'm painting my mom in a really bad light here. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. Um, but she did it, but she was so angry the entire time she was doing it. I can't believe I know why I do this stuff for you guys making them. And at one point, I stopped her and I said, Mom, I hope that your anger and hatred for this has not been baked into these cookies. Because I'm telling you, you're, these cookies are going to kill the dude. God's given you a gift. But he cares about the attitude with which you use it. Are you constantly begrudging? I'll do this. I'm tired of always serving. Wish somebody else around here would pick up some weight, always leading, everybody looking to me, always got challenges, 
Nobody else doing anything. You got to look to Jesus. Whatever your gift is, if it's mercy, if you show mercy because you are conscious of the mercy that God has shown to you in Jesus, then your gift of mercy will be replenished. The point I'm making is we should take responsibility with the gifts we've been given. A lot of Christians, I think, fail to take responsibility with the gifts that God has given them, functionally benching themselves in the game of life, and then get angry at God for benching them. God, you know, I sometimes wonder... And I love his grace, and I love his kindness, and I can have these moments where I'm kind of picturing what he would do or say. But, it, you know, I wonder if he would say to some of us, you've benched yourself. I didn't do it. I was the one that gave it to you. I'm wanting you to pour your energy and your focus into using that gift. I'm wanting you to exercise it. That's the challenge for us as a church, is to pour our energy into where we've been gifted, to exercise with a sense of I'm accountable to God for this, and stop benching yourself. If you are struggling with something, struggling with a sin, a pattern of sin that has has left you discouraged, and so it's hindering the use of your gift, the answer isn't just to stay on the sidelines. The answer is to go to Jesus, repent of your sin, turn away from it, receive fresh forgiveness and grace, and get back on the field. This is what He's calling us to do. This is what we'll be held accountable for. Your gift is not just a privilege to be enjoyed. It's a responsibility to be exercised. How are you doing at that? If you've been given a gift, God wants to see the return on that. I, was, I had a great um, dad moment. I didn't share with uh, my family that I was going to share this, but I, I think it's okay. I'll find out in a few minutes. <laughs> but I had, a great, I had a real good dad moment this week. If you're a dad, you've had these kinds of moments. But I, I, was, I, I was getting ready to eat some breakfast, and I received a, just a piece of paper that said, to dad on it. And I opened it up. To read it. It was, a, it was a note written from my youngest child. And the note at the top said, 
you know, I wanted to tell you some things. Ten things that I love about you. Now, you can, have you ever received an encouraging note? Somebody thanked you for something? That's appropriate to do that. If somebody does something for you, you should write them a note. Thank them. But do you ever get a note that's like, you know what I'm talking about? That was one of those. Like the ten things that were listed were so specific and brought so much encouragement. That the challenge is this. God's given you a gift. Now you got to use it. That's the gift of encouragement. God's going to look for a return on that investment. It's, an, it's a responsibility to steward well what God has given to each of us. We look to him for fresh outpouring of grace every day, that we might be the people that he's called us to be, that we might pour energy into what he's called us to do, that we might exercise with responsibility the gifts that he's given to us. This is the constant battle. The constant battle that we all fight is to believe that it's actually better to get than it is to give. I like getting. Am I alone? It's a, it's a lie, to, though, that the world kind of feeds us, is that you kick your feet up, you relax, you get, you receive, and let others do the giving. God gave us gifts. He gave us gifts that we might give to Him and to others. And the world tells you that you'll be happier if you're getting. And Jesus says the exact opposite. He says it's better to give than to receive. He, 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 didn't, say it's, he didn't even just say it was better. He said it's blessed. He said that if you want to be truly satisfied, really, really happy, in the most biblical sense of the word, you're going to find that in giving, not in receiving. You're going to find that in pouring your energy into using the gifts that God has given to you. You're going to find it in taking responsibility to exercise the gifts that he's given to you. What's Paul saying? Get after it with your gifts. Are you doing that? Pouring your energy? Exercising responsibility. Let's turn this world upside down for the fame of Jesus by pouring our energy into what he's called us to do and exercising with responsibility what he's given to us. Amen?